this morning, go with me to Ephesians chapter number four. And if you're able this morning, let's stand out of respect for the word of God as we'll look back to our portion that we started last Sunday. We're looking forward to what God has for us today. If you're visiting, our theme for the year is magnify. And what we are uh, endeavoring to do this month is to focus on magnify sanctification. A lot of times people don't really understand uh, what sanctification is really all about. And so last week and two weeks before that, we got into what is sanctification according to the Word of God. That's all we're interested in is what does God say about sanctification. And so we pick it up here this morning in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 17. The Bible says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word of God. I pray this morning that your spirit would guide us, help us to understand the truth. Lord, help us to not only hear the truth, but then to apply the truth to our lives, that we might live a sanctified, a separated life from this world. Bless those that are visiting with us today. Lord, thank you for each one of them, those that are listening by way of live stream. And Lord, thank you for working in hearts. And we pray that you do it again this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God. Now, when we look at this portion of Scripture, last week we started with the difference that sanctification makes in our lives. Now, if I were to illustrate this morning, if I could start over here on this side, helping you understand that I hope that there's been a time in your life that you have put your faith and trust in Christ that you have been saved by the grace of God, that you have, according to the Bible, been justified. The Bible means when it says to be justified, to be just as if we had never even been a sinner. You say, how is that possible? Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So justification is something that has happened, if you are saved, in the past because We have been saved from the very penalty of sin. Once we are saved, once we are justified, that's when the Christian life begins. And so that is a process that we're looking at this month that many times people struggle with, and that is sanctification. It's the life that we are now living in Christ. Now, one day... Understand that we will, according to the Bible, be glorified. We will be saved from the very presence of sin because God is holy and there is no sin in heaven. Aren't you looking forward to that day, right? Heaven's going to be a wonderful place. But as the songwriter said, but until then. See, 
we're talking about what do we do between justification and glorification, and the Bible describes that as sanctification. There is importance to how, how we live our lives. Because remember that we are Christians. That means we should be like Christ. We should be little Christ. We should be a reflection of Christ in the world we live in. Everybody with me so far? So last week we talked about from this passage the difference that sanctification makes in our lives. This morning we're going to pick it up as Paul is writing to those in Ephesus, and God has preserved it to us today, about the discernment of sanctification. Now we need to understand what discernment is. And that's what we're going to look at today. This is this matter of discernment. Somebody said discernment is to separate by the eye or by understanding. It's to see the difference, but then also to make the distinction about the difference. See, there's a lot of people trying to decide things. It's kind of like a Christian man that decided he was going to start a new diet. And so here he was, he decided that one of the things that he struggled with was things that he ate, so he decided that was what was going to be the best for him was he was going to change the direction that he drove every day to work, because on the way, there were some places that were not good for him, and this was one of them, his favorite bakery. And so he decided he was going to change, and it was good for a couple days. But, like a lot of us, what happened was he mistakenly defaulted back to the drive. He just kind of got in his car that third or fourth day, and he found himself driving past this bakery. And as he was driving past the bakery, he noticed in the window a multitude of chocolates and donuts and pastries and cheesecakes. And in his mind, he felt like this was no accident. So he prayed. That's the Christian thing to do, right? So his prayer was something like this, Lord, it's up to you. He said, if, if, if you want me to have any of those delicious goodies, then please make a parking spot right in front of the bakery. Now, sure enough, on the 8th, time around the block. There it was, Jehovah Jireh, right? A parking spot right there. And his response was, God is so good. That man was not very discerning. And sometimes in our lives, we aren't either. You know, making decisions, it's a part of life. Discernment, somebody said, is a gift of God that helps us to identify right from wrong. We make decisions every day as human beings. We, we decide things like what to eat, what to wear. We decide other things like what to purchase, where to work, maybe what to watch on TV, maybe what to listen to. These are all things that the average person makes a decision daily on what to do. The Bible says in Proverbs, wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are 
in the ends of the earth. You see, Christians also, are you listening to me, child of God, this morning? If you've been justified, every day you also, as a Christian, make decisions. You, you decide whether or not you're going to pray. You decide whether or not you're going to attend church. I'm glad you decided to be here today. Sometimes, as Christians, we try to decide, will we give to the Lord? Some of you, maybe recently, or maybe it's been a long time, like the Flins, you decided who you were going to marry. Some of you have, even as, as a husband and wife, have decided who is going to educate your children. Now, there's many others. But as Christians, we make decisions we must discern, and our discernment must be based on the truth. Now, it's not always based on the truth. Sometimes we believe things that are not true. And Paul last week helped us to understand that Christians need to be different from those around us. But today, Paul helps us in this area of truth. He gives us some things that you and I, as Christians, as we live the sanctified life, that we need to be discerning about. Notice, first of all, that it begins by being discerning about our existence. Now, if you look back in chapter number 4, look at verse 17. He says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth, in other words, from this point on, now that you are saved, he says, a Christian ought to not walk as other Gentiles, unsaved people walk in the vanity of their minds. Now, we went, covered some of this last week. The problem was, is they were walking in the vanity of their minds. The, the word vanity means emptiness. That was just futile. It's a life spent on wasted on nothing. It's, it's, it's as if, listen, many of us know whether it's we ourselves or those around us that they are living their lives, empty lives. Why? Because their minds are corrupted by the inborn sin that dwells in them. We have, look, we are born sinners, every last one of us. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it's that sin nature. The Bible says here that they are walking in the vanity, the emptiness of their minds. See, they had a problem with their heads. Those that are lost. They also have a problem with their hearts. The Bible says in verse number 18, having the understanding darkened. Notice the understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So here we see that this blindness is stubbornness. It's a heart that is confronted with the truth, but refuses to embrace it. Now you're here this morning and understand that God, not me, God by His Spirit will, will introduce you to truth. He will show you truth. That's the job of the Spirit of God, is to guide us into all truth. And as God shows you the truth, you have one decision to make. Will you embrace it or not? Will you say, I need that in my life? But see, the Bible says that they had a problem with their hearts. Notice the statement, having the understanding darkened. This is talking about lost people that are living in a continuous state 
of spiritual darkness and ignorance towards the things of God. They are unresponsive to the Lord, to the things of God. According to the Bible, spiritually speaking, they are dead because they're lost in their sin. You see, we, we have to be discerning about our existence because before we came to know Christ as our Savior, we too had a problem with our heads. We had a problem with our hearts. But notice we also had a problem with our hands. The Bible says in verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So as you look at those words there, past feeling, they've lost their sense of pain. Their conscience does not bother them by the things that they do. We see it every day, lost people doing things, and we think to ourselves, now that the Spirit of God lives in us, we think things like this, Christian, how can somebody do that? How can somebody say that, be a part of that? Because they're lost. The Bible says that they have had the understanding darkened, they are past feeling, they've lost their sense of pain, they are yielding themselves to lasciviousness, to wickedness, a wicked lifestyle. They are literally those people that you hear say that I'm going to do what I please, when I please, with whom I please, and I don't care what anyone says or what anyone thinks about it. But can I tell you this morning, that's describing the lost. How many of you are saved today? If your hand's up this morning, then according to God's word, you and I ought to be different. The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. The things I used to say, I don't say those things anymore. Why? Because there's been a great, great change that's taken place in my heart and life, and God has done a work in my life, and understand that saints ought to be different. We ought to live different than lost, different with our heads, different with our hearts, different with our hands. And while we are to avoid being like the lost, understand that our lives should be lived. You and I should strive to be like the Lord. After all, we're Christians. The world needs to see what a Christian looks like, how a Christian acts how a Christian behaves themselves. So Paul here in these verses has told us what we should not be. What we should not be. Now he's about today to tell us what we should be. And notice that will happen by secondly discerning our example. Now look at verse number 20. It's just a small verse, but so packed. He says, but... Ye have not so learned Christ. Now you have to be thinking about what we just covered because the word but is a word that draws a contrast back to what Paul has just shared with us, what God has given to us about the old life, the old self in verses 17, 18, and 19. Paul's talking, he's writing about a change in direction. There's a contrast. Look, look at me for a second. When we were lost in our sin, we were heading in this direction. We were heading away from God. 
when we repented of our sin, when we turned from our sin and turned to God, then understand that that is at the moment that our life was changed because of the grace of God, because of the salvation of God. And Paul says, look, as we look back at our existence, the way we used to think and the way our heart was and what we did with our hands, he says, now, he says, we need to be discerning our example. Paul is talking about how there is a change that's taken place. The, the lost world that we live in, the unsaved people, they're motivated by their lust, by the sin around them. But a Christian, a saved person, should be motivated by the Lord. Remember what Paul said? He said, the love of Christ constraineth us. Think about that. Paul was saying that every day, every day, somebody doesn't have to come in and pull me out of my bed. Somebody doesn't have to prop me up as a Christian. He says, it's the love that God had that he saved my wretched soul. He says, that's what motivates me. And understand in your life and mine, every day, our, our lustful, sinful nature should not motivate us. We ought to be different with our heads, with our hearts, with our hands. And Paul says, look, the example that I'm pointing you to is the Lord. See, what Paul is doing is he is holding up Jesus against the backdrop of this sinful and wicked lost world that we live in. And folks, there can't be a greater contrast than the world and the Lord. And we need to see Christ this morning. Why? Because we have been justified and we are being sanctified. And he uses the words here. He says, learned Christ. He's talking about those that have been saved. And when God saves us, what does he do? He changes us. He changes us to be more like him. He has delivered us from being just like the world. Look what the Bible says in Romans 6. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were, notice past tense, that was our existence, ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart, that's salvation, justification, what did we obey? That form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye have become the servants of righteousness. See, fulfilling the sins of the flesh is no longer the standard for our living. You know what the example now is? It's Jesus. Many of you have heard that Years ago, somebody testified and said, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each one, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. I noticed that at times along the path of my life, especially at the lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said that if I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. I don't understand why when I needed you the most, that you would leave me. And the Lord whispered and said, my precious child, 
I love you. I would never leave you during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And you probably in your life know that to be true. How many times has God been there for us? Listen, he's our example. He's been there for us. I see in the life of Christ an example of serving. I see an example of suffering, an example of loving, an example of forgiving, and we are to be like him. You see, we are not to allow the fleshly desire to control us any longer. We are to take Jesus for our example. We're to walk in holiness and in the newness of life. The Bible testifies in Romans chapter number 6, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ we are raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. God's given you new life. You see, I love how that we are in Christ. Now, when a person claims to know Christ as their Savior, and they still, listen to me, and a lot of people I've met, they still live, even though they're saved, they still live like the world. And according to the Bible, that individual is either deceiving themselves or they're a liar. The Bible says in 1 John 1.8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Hereby do we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Now look at this. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in me ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. See, as John wrote, he is trying to help us understand that the born-again believer... A Christian should strive to be like Jesus. Now, years ago, there was a, I don't really know what I would call it, but there was somebody that came out with this thought. You probably remember the WWJD. How many of you remember that? And at first, I was kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of just commercialization. But I'll be honest with you, I kind of like the thought. What would Jesus say? Would Jesus be here? What would Jesus think about that? If we're to be like him, I think it's a fair thing to say is, how would Jesus have handled this? See, a Christian should strive to be like Jesus. A Christian discerns the way Jesus walked. And how do we find the way that Jesus walked? By studying God's Word and being led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit helps us, and that produces a life that is vastly different from the life that we used to live and the life that the lost world is living today. And the result of a different life is a life that is a life that is pleasing to God. Is your walk 
pleasing the Lord today? Your sanctified life? Does it line up with what God would be pleased with? Because if it is, it's a life that is imitating Jesus to this world we live in. Paul wrote to those in Philippi and he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Say, how in the world can I have the mind of Christ by spending time with him, by getting to know him, letting him influence you instead of letting the world influence you? See, we must be discerning, Paul says, about our existence, our past. He says we need to be discerning about our example, Jesus. But then he also says in verse 21 that we need to be discerning about our educator. You see, someone, listen to me, someone is teaching you. That's a choice, who you want to be taught by. Look at verse 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth, is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. Now, folks, think about it. Someone is teaching you. You're learning from someone or something. And as we look here at our educator, he Paul writes, if so be that. That phrase there could also be said this way, is seeing that ye have heard him or since you have heard him and been taught by him. How many of you have heard him and been taught by him? Look, we, we, we haven't had the privilege, and by the way, it was a privilege for the disciples to have sat at the feet of Jesus, to have been on the mountainside or been on the Mount of Olives or maybe be on a boat or wherever it was where Jesus, the Son of God, taught them, they heard him say, boy, pastor, I wish I could have been there. Me too. But listen, even though Jesus physically is not here with us, every day we have his word, we have his spirit, and he can teach us, and we can hear from him. When's the last time you heard from him? The Bible says, seek me and you shall find me. Are you wanting God to teach you? Do you want to learn from the greatest example there is, or do you want to learn from a lost world? See, the sanctified life is one that no longer is ignorant. It's no longer trapped in the delusion of sin. They've heard his voice. They've been taught his truth. Pilate one day said unto Jesus, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I'm a king, and to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Notice these words, Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. If you're saved today, then he says you need to hear what I'm saying to you, hear what I'm teaching you. The Bible says in John 1, and of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He's our educator. 
Those that have been saved, the Bible way, have been saved out of death and into life, and they have been placed on a different path. See, when Christ came to us, He changed us. He brought to us knowledge and truth. We've been taught the result of His teaching is that we have been changed by the power of God. What did Jesus teach when He came and taught truth. Well, listen to this. He taught us the truth about God. He taught us the truth about himself. He taught us the truth about the Spirit and about heaven and about hell and about sin and about salvation. He taught the truth about life. He taught the truth about death. He taught the truth about grace. He taught the truth about faith about righteousness. He taught the truth about eternity, about judgment, about the purpose of life, about the purity of life, about the meaning of life. He taught the truth about creation. He taught the truth about history and everything else that matters. Jesus, who is the truth, taught us the truth when he came. And he's given us his word. And we are no longer in the dark. Why? Because we who are saved are now walking in the light. See, the Bible says in 1 John, look at it with me, and we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding. Notice he's given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ, who is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. See, he is the truth. He's given us understanding. He wants us to have a discernment in this sanctified life that we are living. We are to be different from the world around us. We are to be discerning and learn all that we can from Jesus. Why? Because he's our example. But the world we live in today, and you know this to be true, there is a major lack of discernment. People are don't know which road to take. If you're here today and you're not saved, listen, there's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. See, a lot of people are trying to decide because they lack discernment. 60% of people often do not see issues clearly. They don't see things for what they are. Why? Because they are being misled because they do not think biblically. I hope as a Christian this morning that God's Word, the Bible, helps you to make decisions. True discernment is not only distinguishing right from wrong, it is distinguishing the primary from the secondary, the essential from the indifferent, what is eternal from that which is temporal. And yes, I can even say this morning that it's also distinguishing the the difference between what is good and better and distinguish from that which is better and which is best. I hope that's what you want is God's best. Don't settle for anything less. So as I think about this matter of discernment, Paul's trying to help us. And our prayer, yours and mine, should be God. Help me to be discerning, to not 
live my life for this world because I've been delivered from that. But help me as I live for Christ to have discernment to choose between right and wrong. The psalmist put it this way, I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. What is his testimonies? Truth. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? I'm going to ask if you would just stay seated and still for just a moment. How discerning are you? Can you tell the difference between a Christian and the world? Is there a difference about you from this world? Now, if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, you're trying to decide which way you're going to go. I want to challenge you and encourage you and beg you this morning to come to Jesus. You see, he's here today. He wants to meet with you. Would you put your faith and trust in the one who's given his life so that you can have eternal life? But if you are saved this morning, and many hands went up earlier, are you living a sanctified life? In other words, let me say it this way. Is your walk as a Christian pleasing the Lord? If it's not, then in just a moment the altar is going to be open. Whether you're a member or not, anyone under the sound of my voice, even those watching this morning, we want you to come to an altar, a place of dying to self, and say, Lord, help me. Help me to live a life that's pleasing to you. Would you stand with me this morning to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as the piano begins to play. Brother Kenny is singing. Why don't you come this morning to the altar, spend some time with the Lord. The altar's open this morning. Christian, why don't you come and say, Lord, help me. I've not been making good decisions Give me discernment. If you need to be saved, why don't you come today? We'll have somebody take the Bible and show you from God's Word how you can know for sure that heaven will be your home someday. That's the best decision anyone could ever make. And if you are saved today, while I'm waiting, don't put the Lord off. I hope you came today wanting God to speak to your heart. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. How many of you by an upraised hand would say, God has spoken to me today? Would you raise your hand? God has helped me. Many hands. You can put your hands down. If you know the song and you want to sing that with Brother Kenny, Snow Lord. Wash me just now in thy presence. Humbly I bow. Let him have his way.
Lord, thank you for this morning, for speaking to hearts, for speaking to my heart, God, about this matter of living a life that is pleasing to you. Lord, I'm thankful for justification, for saving us from our sins. Lord, I'm thankful for the hope of heaven someday. But between those, Lord, I pray that every day that we would live our lives learning from the greatest example, Jesus, to be taught by him, to hear his voice and do what he asks us to do. Well, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may